0: Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks, a podcast all about books. I'm your host, Tracy Thomas, and this week we are joined by author and journalist Nancy Rommelman. Are you a member of The Stacks Pack? We're launching something brand new, group video chats to discuss The Stacks book club picks with members of The Stacks Pack. So go join today and be a part of these awesome discussions. We're starting next week with our first chat about Bad Blood by John Rue. It's super easy, so go to patreon.com slash the stacks and join our little conversation. Here's your weekly reminder to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. All right, now let's get started. This week's guest is Nancy Rommelman. She is a journalist and the author of a new true crime book called To the Bridge, and I'm very excited for you all to meet her. Let's do it. Hi, everybody. I am here today with Nancy Rommelman, who is a writer and journalist whose work has appeared at the LA Times, LA Weekly, New York Times Magazine, and more. Her most recent book, To the Bridge, A True Story of Motherhood and Murder, came out earlier this summer, and we'll be getting to that soon. But first, hi, Nancy. Welcome. Tracy. Thank you for having me. I am so excited you're here. I I really want to talk about your book, but we're going to start with talking about you. So tell me a little bit, or tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: I'm a New York City girl. (laughs) Um, Went from New York to Los Angeles and spent 18 years here. That's where I started my writing career. Uh, writing a lot for the la weekly and other publications in 2004 my husband and i moved up to portland oregon i've been living there but now i'm sort of bi-coastal between uh, new york city and portland oh and that's so nice still writing
0: that's like the best of both worlds mm-hmm. the city and then like portland's almost like the country
1: it is you come back and i love like new york is in my blood i get there right. and i feel completely normal yeah. and then i get back to portland it's like oh but this is super nice too just chilling on the porch yeah so Deep it works and all that it works it's <laughs>
0: so green it is very green. So green. I yeah. love Portland. Um, okay. So here's what I want to know because I have this fantasy that I'm a journalist, even though I'm not and I can't write and I don't write. But I like. I, to me, a journalist is like one of the coolest jobs. Like I think maybe because I read all the president's men and mm. was like, whoa, like look what they could do. <laughs> um, but I just love, I love journalists. So I want to know when slash how you knew you wanted to do this and then also how you actually did it.
1: Okay, so when I came to Los Angeles, it was to um, actuate my destiny of becoming a movie star, which I absolutely oh. knew was going to happen. Sure. Which, of course, like everyone else that comes to <laughs> Los Angeles, did not happen. And I was, which I'm extremely grateful for. Okay. Um, when I was pregnant with my daughter in 1989, I started to read scripts for ICM, and so you would read, you'd write coverage, and you'd write some criticism, and I was doing a couple of those a day. Which turned out to be pretty good practice because you're writing, I don't know, five, 6,000 words a day and you don't even realize you're doing that. Um, and then I segued into, I got a little tiny story for a magazine called Bikini Magazine, which was like a lads magazine, like a okay. ray gun. And they sent me to write a like 50-word story about a new genital piercing place in Los Feliz. So I walk in there and I'm kind of getting the lay of the land and this couple comes in and they are getting their engagement rings okay and I said to them I said well what are you gonna do when people ask to see the rings and the wife is like well we'll show them and I thought okay that's it I, I'm never doing anything but journalism for the for the rest of my life and where this was in Los Velas off of no my, no oh. where were the rings oh well uh, <laughs> labia and then something called a Albert. I don't exactly remember where that was, but it was, you know, the PN? ball sack or oh, something? I don't really know. Oh my god, I'm dying. <laughs> I know. So um anyway, I I I never looked back. I and I was very fortunate in that my first big feature was this road trip I took with a pen pal of John Wayne Gacy's to visit the oh serial killer before he was executed. I had written that for details, but then the editor changed. They didn't want it, it wound up on the cover of the LA Weekly. That was 1994, and I just, I was off. And that's off. a book also. Well, it's you not. You can get it. Y- you can, yes, for 2.99 on Amazon. It's called, they changed the title of it. It's called Destination Gacy. It, it was never online because it was 1994, mm-hmm. and a couple of years ago an outfit came up and said, hey, we'd love to, like, repackage it and sell it. So, yeah, it's
0: it's basically an article. Right. Um, so, like oh I said, gosh. And before you went to see John Wayne Gacy, yeah. like, when you were like, okay, I'm going to go do this. Yep were you super anxious and nervous like what what were you feeling cuz the thought of like going to interview a serial killer
1: there was some of that but i realized in the course of writing the piece that that was something we do to ourselves because right. let's be let's be honest we're going to a maximum security prison though he was just sitting with me at a table and handcuffed there was no oh. like plexiglass or anything right. like that um that's something, of course, we know what he's done, and it's terrifying, but he's not going to do it to us. Right, sure. So that was something you almost, uh, you titillate yourself with that. What I really didn't know was how to write this kind of story, but it really, um, you know, we stopped in all these towns along the way. We went to the strip bar in Vegas, and then we went to University of New Mexico, like these frat boys, and then my my daughter's Native American relatives in, in Oklahoma at church who were praying for Gacy. So you got this incredible sort of cultural moment of how we um imbibed and then reacted to this killer and it was just like wow i could it, it yeah it was a really incredible experience that was my first feature wow so at that point i just i you wound up on the cover of the weekly
0: and i just kept writing and did you you came up with the idea to do it
1: well it was this guy he was a hollywood guy musician Fair. um he'd been pen pals with him and we had a mutual friend who said oh hey rick's gonna go do this thing he thinks He'd like a writer to come with me. I'd barely met Rick. I'd
0: met him at a party once, and we're like, all right. So we just did it. Oh, my God. That, do you still keep in touch with Rick? Nah. No. <laughs> I thought maybe you guys, like, would become best friends or something. No,
1: but, you know, a couple of years ago, this wonderful writer, writer Inara Verzemnyuk, pitched this, um, this panel to this writer thing. Um, subjects sitting with the person that they've written about, like, years later – and mine was one of them. I thought this is an incredible panel, but the it never went anywhere. Right. Well, so. you how
0: would you have sat with John and
1: Gacy? No, not Gacy meeting oh. Rick. No, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. <I> see. Not, <laughs> I'm like, um, did they miss the memo? Been, yeah, like he's <laughs> no one's anymore. Um, you know, you do these stories and you become intensely close with people and inc- intensely close with these stories and then then you never then see you never them see again. Them. Right. So yeah.
0: Wow. That's a good one. Do you have a particular since oh so If you don't know, I guess I haven't said this. Nancy writes a lot about true crime and sociopaths and that kind of thing. I mean, and other things. You also just write about, like, characters and, like, interesting humans. But do you have, like, a particular murderer or something that is, like, a favorite of yours? Or, like, what? not a favorite. That's weird. But, yeah, a favorite. You know what I mean? You mean in terms that I've written about? Or just, like, that you're interested in. Like, a story. Like, I'll give you mine. Mine is Jonestown. Oh I'm obsessed with Jonestown. I should introduce you to my friend Nick Gillespie who has an obsession with Jonestown. He can come on and we can talk Jonestown books because like but for me, that's like it's pretty dark and like a weird thing to be obsessed with, but I that's just the one that speaks to me for whatever reason.
1: Well, you know, I, that's that's a good one because it's so <laughs> it's so violent and people went you know halfway across the world right. in order to commit this mass suicide. Right. I, I, I don't know that I have a favorite one, but I do have a comment about that. I've written now about several cult leaders. I've mm-hmm. written about the Bhagwan Shri Rajneesh okay. went out to where you know he had his people in, in Oregon. Um, I've written about this woman named Ching Hai. Obviously, I know about Jonestown. I've read about the start of the Mormon faith. Sure. Every cult leader, I swear I could write cult leadership for dummies. It's always the same. The same playbook.
0: But Jim Jones was just super extreme. He was extreme. Yeah. And he was good. Well, like he he had like a real game plan. He like he had an idea that was so powerful that was like and it was so of the moment.
1: Yes, but they but they I guess all, they all do they all are they're telling you, look, you're more evolved than the rest of these right. people. Ergo, we're going to create this new utopia. Oh, also, we get to do things that other people don't, usually involving a lot of sex, sex. with the cult leader, right right? <laughs> and so, but then you're also allowed to have sex. oh, but you know, you're not really allowed to have kids or to see your kids. It's right. just it's the same, it's the same thing. thing. it's happening right now somewhere. I, yeah we I guarantee you if we're talking
0: two years from now, we will have spoken well, about the next yeah. one. Uh, well, yeah. I'm waiting. Yeah, <laughs> I it, There's a podcast called Cults, and it's oh, two no. episodes. And the first one is, like, kind of about the origins, and then the second episode is about, like, whatever terrible thing they've done. And they're focused on, like, cults that have done terrible things, like not just cults that are...
1: Well, is it guess, maybe maybe the cults that don't do terrible things just, just haven't done them yet, yeah, or haven't or, done them, we're yet. not there yet. But yeah.
0: it's really good, and they there's also that one that's called Heaven's Gate, which was about um, um, I, yeah, such a good podcast. If you haven't listened, I haven't. Oh my god, it's I just so want good. to give
1: up the rest of my life and listen to podcasts about cults forever. forever. <laughs> yeah, C- <laughs> cults and politics. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so
0: that's like my wheelhouse. So I'm <laughs> so glad you're here. Okay, I do want to talk. Oh, I do. Okay, Well, before we get to your book, one yeah. more thing. You wrote a modern love story. I did. For the new york times i did about you your husband your ex-husband or ex-partner my ex-partner ex-partner my daughter's dad yeah the father of your daughter yeah and he tell tell us about it so So um
1: tim and i this is my daughter's dad you know we we split when my daughter was not even three she's 28 now but we've always remained super close and he moved to portland a couple of years ago and like he hangs out we watch the trailblazers games and he's just a nice guy and he w- we were going, he stays in our house when we go on vacation mm-hmm. and he was like sitting across the counter. I'm like, dude, what's that thing on your neck? And it was kind of swollen and we're like, maybe it's this. And when we came back a week later, it was bigger. And he was, you know, he's a native American guy, kind of has a mistrust of, you know, white Western medicine. Oh, I'm going to use cannabis oil and all this. And I'm like, Tim, I mean, it's growing like before your eyes. Right. turns out stage four HPV related tumor in his neck. Um, and he, he was kind of living in a super shitty place. Oh,
0: this is okay. okay. I swear okay. all the time. Okay. It's my um, identity. Place, like,
1: just had a kind of room in a rooming house, and we have a nice place, and he moved in with us, and he he lived with us for a year while he went through treatment, and, I mean, he was a very, a very, very, very sick mm. man, and I, I actually didn't know um, if he would make it, and he almost didn't, but he did. And so um, I always thought this would make a pretty good modern love, and um they bought it right away and yeah. ran it pretty fast and I it, it turned
0: out pretty well. It's so amazing. Yeah. I I linked to that in the show notes and everything oh, else that we talk about. I linked yay. to everything in the show notes. It was here, last so. October, I believe. Yeah, October. I read it I read it twice now since oh, I found out you were coming you. on the show. But it also like went viral. Like I read it I read it when it happened. Uh-huh. Like when you when it was posted and then I read it again two more times. I didn't realize that you were the same. I was like, oh, that's the Maybe same Maybe that's the same
1: Nancy yes, yeah. wrong.
0: Yeah, but it's really it's an interesting story. Do you feel like I mean obviously something like that changes you, but do you or changes your relationship with the people around you? Or, you know, you find new depths when you go through something terrible. Um my mom had said to me, Well, you know, that's really
1: it's really unusual that, you know, you had him staying with you and blah blah. I was like, actually, no mom, you know how many times I've heard this now? People are like, Yeah, my mom and dad did that, or I did that with right. my ex wife. I think you know. I've I've written, I've written a couple of stories about sort of the death industry mm-hmm. in my career, and a number of years ago, I just decided, you know what, I, I'm going to get good at this stuff if I can, because you've got to be useful. Like you can't go in your closet and cry. You can't pretend that this is not happening. You're not going to be of use to anybody. Mm-hmm. So I just try to like you marshal your forces, and it is amazing. I'm going to start crying. <laughs> How. Good people are, yeah, how they step up to the plate in crises um we had it didn 't make it into the piece, but we have one of our dearest friends, and we didn 't really tell many people what was going on with Tim because you know, and he just walked in and embraced Tim, who was like, "Look like a bag of sticks, and he's just like how you doing man and it's just like oh, people are so good, yeah, so we just want to be there for each other." Um, not to sound yeah.
0: corny no, or anything. I, it's great. I just feel like something like that is such a major life event, regardless of who the person is in your life that is going through, you know, cancer treatment. That's no joke. You know, like it's not it's too, a broken leg, you know, too it's, many people I know right now, man. It's just, yeah. it's everywhere. It's really, it, I mean, it's, and it's devastating. And you know, that those are the kind of things that either break you down or build you up as like the family member who's uh, witnessing or
1: both. I think that's true. I But I think you you'd be amazed at how, how people step up
0: to the plate. Yeah, yeah. I think for sure. I think death or the thought of death brings out different things in you that you would never right. even think of yourself. Well,
1: well how would you? You, right. you haven't encountered you haven't.
0: it yet. <laughs> it's definitely one of those things you have to be face-to-face with to see, yeah. you know, what? who you are, what you are, and, you know, or what you could be. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times that happens too. Um, okay, since we're now talking about death, yeah. we're going to go to the dark place. Uh, we're uh, Actually, I don't want to frame it that way because I don't really think... The, so your book is about Amanda Stott-Smith, who in May 2009 um, dropped or threw her two young children, Eldon, who was four, and Trinity, who was seven, off of the Selwood Bridge in Oregon into mm-hmm. the Willamette River. Mm-hmm. Um, the, chi- the boy, the four-year-old, Eldon, he died, and Trinity screamed, and people came and got her out of the river mm-hmm. like... Forty minutes later. Forty minutes, which is that's it's, insane it's, to me. She was seven, and it's a I river. Know. It's not a lake. It's fifty-three degrees, and, and, and it's moving, moving
1: in the middle of the night with a
0: broken collarbone or sternum. Sternum. Yep. Anyways, so your book covers this crime, but also you're fascinated or committed to solving this idea of why did this happen? How did we get here? Right. Um. And so a lot of I mean, I, I feel like. The crime itself is really horrific and terrible and, like, it is a very dark thing. But what I like about your book is that you're able to find reasoned – not necessarily answers, but options for answers of how did we get here as opposed to, like, a full condemnation of the people.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, first I would just like to commend you for saying, (laughs) like, I don't want to just call it dark. Dark is shorthand for – what is it shorthand for? I don't know. You know? Yeah. But you didn't. You said, no, let's just not do that. And so it's because it is a human narrative. Okay, right. These people are not stick figures. They're not just like little you know, ink you saw on a page. And uh, at an event last night, um, someone, a dear, dear friend of mine said, it's so hard for me to read your book. I have children the same ages, right. same genders. Um, but as soon as I started to realize you were writing about human beings and right. not just this monster in the closet – I'm able to read it because yes, there is no, first of all, what would be the point of me walking into this story in order to vilify people and point fingers? I mean, yes, of course the press does this. Yes, you have sensational books. This is not that book, readers. If you want a book that's going to like cut and dried and here's the monster, this is not your book. This is going to very literally let you see some reasons how Amanda got To the bridge. That was my, it's like, how did she get to the bridge? So, you know, we roam over several decades of of her life as well as my investigation um into looking into this story. And I think if you walk in saying, I'll never understand how this happens, by the end you will say, you know what? Maybe we can't understand how this
0: happens. And you present that very early on in the book, like that that as almost as your Not your motivation, but maybe your challenge because a few people, the husband and father or the strange husband and father and the judge both say, how could this ever have happened? This is so terrible. We'll never understand it. And it kind of feels like you were like, oh, we won't. Oh, that's exactly what happened. So, you know, she was caught the same day as the
1: children were dropped from the bridge and, you know, blah, 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 plea deal. It was about a year before she was sentenced to 35 years before the possibility of parole. So I've been on this story already for a year looking into things as I'm sitting in the court and the judge and her former husband said, no one will ever understand snotty little Nancy (laughs) in the front row said to herself, Oh yes, we will.
0: You're like, I'll understand. I'm going to tell everybody. (laughs) I love that. Um, Okay. So here, so I, just a heads up to listeners, we're going to cover this book in detail. The, first week of November. So we're going to talk in detail about the book. So I'm going to focus with you, Nancy, kind of more about the how you wrote it, how being an investigative journalist works, especially when it comes to something that is, you know, this is the worst thing that ever happened to this family, I'm assuming, right? Like I can't imagine that there's much worse that happens to a family. And so, so you're looking at the darkest days, months, weeks, years of not just the children but also, you know, Amanda's family and Jason's family and there's another child Gavin who is the half brother to Trinity and Eldon through Amanda. Right. Um and so his family, his dad and stepmom and so there's all these families and there's children and there's so much going on and I kind of want to know like how do you approach talking to these people? Um with a great deal of care. <laughs> yeah. Every, you know,
1: there's, if you're a daily journalist, I'm assuming because I've never been a daily journalist okay. at a daily paper, you know, look, you got to get that story out the next day, which mm-hmm. means you are knocking on people's doors and right. you are cold calling and, you know, camping on the lawn. I have never done that in, except like on assignment for the New York Times a few times where they sent me to a crisis zone and I, mm-hmm. I had to report. I did not contact the major players in this story four months okay um i was blogging at the time so some people came to me but i just did you know the shula the reporting i did make contact with her defense attorney who was just fantastic he's a character in the book uh, ken hadley uh he was so great he let me hang around but never ever betraying anything of his client of course um you just you do it methodically um sometimes you do it wrong you know sometimes Mm -hmm. you try to contact someone and you, you 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 blow it um you just have to think, I'm contacting this person, What is the? how do I think this person will will speak with me? How do I approach them? What's the approach? And sometimes they blew me off. Um, but as a, as a friend of mine once said, no means not now. Right. And for the most part, people did speak with me, right. um, though it took about a year, in, until after her sentencing when they could no longer, A, affect her fate, mm-hmm. and B, they'd had no chance to speak at a trial because there was no trial um, and they needed to tell people
0: what they knew right and, and this book kind of functions as the trial well you for know, a lot of the people who are talking to you I right?
1: think that's right and you know I had more than one person that's in this book say I'm talking to you because I didn't get to say my piece on the record at, on the record at the trial right and a, a lot of people have also said to me Oh, you had so much empathy for Amanda and da da da. And I'm like, Yes, well of course, because you have to walk into a project not right. hating your, your people. However, you know, the book also in some ways, you know, is an indictment yes. of what she did. Yeah. Um, but also not. I mean, we're gonna
0: we're try to see things in a round way. Um, yeah, in the story. And there's I mean there's a lot of um deception going on and there's a lot of manipulation going on in this book and it's a lot to sift through especially for you because you never got to talk to amanda no um and did you ever talk to jason i saw jason several times right but you never got to like sit down and he would he would
1: not he would not
0: speak with me so it's interesting that your two like main characters essentially two of the main characters you never get to talk to, mm-hmm. but you're sifting through all of their deceit and lies, and it's just. I I know I've heard you say this that you know at first you were like how am I going to write this book without meeting Amanda, but I almost think the book is better that you don't. Uh as I've said to people,
1: had she spoken with me, that would have been part of the story, and mm-hmm. that would have been terrific. That she didn't is also completely fine with me. I mean, you've read the book, do you? Do you feel like you did not meet Amanda and Jason in this book? No, you do meet them. <laughs> you meet them. Yes, <laughs> <no>. Unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. It's not. You de- definitely don't want to hang out with them later. Nah. No. Uh,
0: yeah. I I mean, some of my favorite true crime books, the person never talks to. Mm-mm. I mean, we t- we talked before we started talking about Columbine and how it's uh. one of my favorite. And um, Dave Cullen never talks to Klebold or Harris. I mean, they're dead. Like, yeah. So... I think that the idea, I think that that's like more of a TV thing, right? It's like Diane Sawyer gets the interview. And so we rely on that and we think that we want to hear from the person. But if you do your work, yeah, I don't need to hear from them. I, I got it. And they're probably going to lie to you anyways. But
1: that's right. <laughs> and, and, and as I, I've said before too, it's, you know, when people are lying to you or not speaking with you, they're telling you the story. Right. Like you, that's part of the story. And, and Amanda and especially Jason not speaking with me, are completely characteristic of of who they they are. are. And the reader will know that. I mean, the reader will, they like, well, yeah. Why would he, you know? Why would he speak with me? How's he, although I would be interested to see, because everybody had said to me, you know, he is just, he can sell ice to an Eskimo. He's unbelievably charming. Now, I've met a lot of these charming, habitual liars in my work and in life sometimes. I was like, I, that might be kind of cool to yeah. sit with him and think like, uh-huh, keep going, keep
0: going. Keep I'm going. so interested in yeah, what you're saying. I'd love to hear more. Yeah, oh my <laughs> gosh. Do you have any like question that you would have thought that you would have led with with either of them?
1: No, I don't. Someone asked me this last night and I, with Amanda, I really wanted, and I this might be like the mothering part of mm-hmm. me, I wanted to just sit with her. You know, when people are in deepest grief or desperation or depression sometimes all they need from you is for you to just sit there right like if it's a good friend you can maybe rub their hands or Mm -hmm. feet or something Mm -hmm. um but i wanted to just sit with her and sort of by osmosis understand her grief but of course this is my assumption right of what grief because for me there would be nothing that could possibly approach losing my child sure um and I wanted to be around that no of course this, is, this may not be her experience or position at all but that was the only I did not have a list of questions for her interesting at all
0: and nothing for him either
1: well probably at the time during the writing you know you like have. so yeah tell me about those 500,000 pills that you packed in the diaper right. bag coming that's over the from one Mexico. that I want to know about. yeah but but
0: he come on he right. would never and it... eldon's name that's the question oh, that i would have been like man my I... guy we won't give that no, up we now we'll, we'll wait won't. for you we guys won't. to read it but honestly there's a moment in this book where you're like i'm i might have to throw up right now because that's the sickest thing i've ever heard
1: yeah it's on my rote and we're not going to say what it is at one point i had in the book it wasn't there anymore it was like certain missiles had been preemptively set yes. to go off to cause the maximum amount of pain and humiliation. Yeah. Like maybe, obviously, four and a half years earlier, yeah. those missiles yeah. had been set. And it's even like, earlier than that, too. And even earlier yeah. than that. my gosh. yeah,
0: Y'all, this book is really <laughs> crazy and amazing. And just the people, I mean, that's also part of it. It's like you you hear about this story and you're like, I want to know who these people are because you can't imagine when you hear it that you know anyone who could ever do something like this and then the more you break it down the more you're like i mean maybe that one person like i yeah. can see that happening yeah. like they become so human it's almost scary yeah because you're like wait i actually can relate to knowing or being around or have you know like Ooh, gives me chills
1: and it makes it harder than to say like i'll never
0: understand this yeah. it's like oh man now i have to try now i can now <laughs> oh god this is way worse yeah. um <laughs> Okay, this is another question about being a journalist or about kind of like the process. So in the book, there's a few different people who have different memories of things with Amanda, like her two best friends. One of them remembers something and then another person, you know, just like not major things. And you include it often multiple people's memories, which some of them turn out to be untrue. Mm -hmm. And I've always wondered – and this is probably just for you and it's different for other journalists, how do you decide what things that are not necessarily true to include and what things to edit out um, to tell your story? Does that make sense? Yes, it does.
1: So everybody, you know, the old old movie Rashomon, five people see a crime if they all have seen a different crime. Everybody's experience is going to be different. It depends, you know, Amanda's grandmother is not going to be the same as, you know, Jason's, that's her, her former husband, you know, drug buddy. Right. It's not going to be. Right. Um you're I'm not just telling you hopefully, if I did my job right, the story of Jason and amanda we're, we we're, we're it's the people that surrounded them sure. and so if this guy is being a little cagey, but he's telling me this story with like a whole bunch of energy, and you know we're going to keep that in there because right. now you know a little more about him because you've seen other things in context, so now you know about him, it's like, oh hey, how how good do I feel about what Ryan Barron is saying about Jason? Because, you know, you just – it is a process. I mean, I've had, you know, 5,000 pages of notes. You're not going to sure. just throw it all into a book. Sure. You just um, – you hopefully – you just keep taking things away and you just try to make it as clear as you can. i did, That's
0: the whole fun of writing for me right. is construction and – Editing. And how um, do you do that? Do you just sit at like a table with all these papers in front of you and like no. for, like <laughs> help? What, what is your setup? <laughs> just get in the cuisine art with all the papers yeah. and then just, just good oh, luck. grab well, what I can. It took you like seven years to write this book. Well,
1: so I worked about a year and a half, two years on it really steadily until so I would say end of 2011. Then I was putting out some other books. I abandoned it. It was just too hard. I had a filing cabinet full of stuff. I was like, oh, I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. And then I went, literally opened the filing cabinet, and it was almost as though <laughs> people were jumping out at me oh going, no, listen, you have to go. And I was like, okay, okay. So I went back to it, and I abandoned it again, and then in 2014, I just committed. I said, I'm doing it. And um, then did really just work steadily for two years, and then um,
0: sold it, and came out July 1st. Here it is. Yep. And I have it here. yeah Yay. Yes. Um, Okay, here's my last question about the book. Yeah. What are you most proud of with this book? I I always find pride a funny word.
1: I'm always proud of other people, mm-hmm. but I, I don't know if I would say proud. I will say I wrote the book I wanted to write. I would not change one word, and we were talking earlier. They say write the book you want to read. This is a book I would want to read, and I,
0: I wouldn't change a word. So mm-hmm. I'm. I mean, that's all. That, that means you're proud of the whole thing. Oh, okay. Not your, it's not you saying pride, but it's, yeah. it's me saying it for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> Putting words on your okay. mouth. <laughs> um. Last little thing.
1: You write about heavy stuff. Is and it's a funny thing because you're not the first person to note that. And I'm like, as a personality, I am not not heavy at all I'm, like really joyous. I like having people over and cook mm-hmm. and drink wine. Let's go out. Let's dance. Let's do fun things. But I am seem to be curious about. Um, things that are sort of heavy, I, you know, to use a catch all term. Um, and, and, and I don't see them really being explored or unpacked in a way that makes sense to me. The mm-hmm. answers are too pad or they're too, I don't know. Yeah. And maybe I'm able to do that cause I am,
0: you know, buoyant for the yeah. most part. Well, what do you, do you, do you, is there anything that you consciously do for self care when you're in this kind of work? Wine? <laughs> no, I don't know.
1: Um, I did, you know, I you know, I exercise a mm-hmm. lot, but I just do that anyway and mm-hmm. read just normal stuff. I Nothing don't any, special. I'm like I don't meditate or right. do any
0: kind of antidepressants or no, anything. Yeah. Right. Well, I I like to read really heavy stuff. Like my favorite books are always like the ones where people ask me, "You read a whole 600 page book on Attica prison uprising?" And I'm like, like, "Yeah," and it's an yeah. amazing book. But I also have a pretty buoyant personality you do. in general. But the and I like the heavy stuff. Like and you exercise I, a lot. too, I see? exercise a lot for my job, <laughs> uh, and I also eat French fries. But I don't do mm-hmm. anything else. I I mean, reading these stories for me is self care. Like I, I feel like I for me when I can cozy up with like a really, you know, something that is other people are like, how could you ever? I mean, I read your book in like a day and a half. I couldn't put it down. It exactly the like the perfect mix of the darkness and the understanding the compassion like there's a lot of empathy for all the people in this book mm-hmm. and to me when a book works that way when it's working on finding out answers of something that is seems unimaginable but also is like compassionate and understanding it also doesn't tell the reader what to think thank oh, you no
1: that's <laughs> so first you you made me think of something maybe it's the case you and i both like to read these books that you know air quotes heavy yeah because if the writer has done his or her job right, they're humanizing people that are usually demonized or usually made two dimensional. And so actually we're, we're kind of bringing optimism to these stories because we're, we're making, we're understanding more about human beings and yes, not telling people what to think. That is my my favorite way to write. I said something, someone said like, how do you avoid, you know, wanting to kind of give it like a nice redemptive ending. I'm like, that is, I've never been interesting to me right who cares why who cares so yeah, yeah I the, love that let the reader decide let the reader decide yeah. totally yeah
0: I mean you have to assume your reader is like semi-intelligent or
1: smarter than me I'm yeah. hoping they're smarter Worst than case me
0: scenario they're semi-intelligent yeah. you know best case scenario they're a mensa who knows but yeah. <laughs> like messa <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I I always appreciate when I read a book and I'm like, oh, I understand this thing that they didn't tell me to understand. I'm like, yeah, I'm such a genius. I did (laughs) it. (laughs) Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu/podcast. I I want to move on to the book portion sure. of this podcast, even though this is all Ben books, anyways. Um, so tell me two books you love and a book that you hate okay. or dislike. I know authors don't like to say they hate books. Well, I, okay, okay, good. I'm I'm not, I love. I'm talking not going to have about about trouble books. with that. Hate. Okay, the, okay, great, great, okay great. the
1: two books I love is one is Wanderer by okay. Sterling Hayden who's the actor um he was really more famous in like the 60s people if you've seen the Godfather okay. you will remember him as like the police chief that's shot in the throat in that I've restaurant by Al Pacino Godfather. anyway it's a it's a memoir of him and like escaping from Hollywood and taking his kids out on the ocean it's just it's a brilliant book i okay. i love this book and um uh shot in the heart by Michael Gilmore about uh, his brother Gary Gilmore who um was also, you know, committed murder in Oregon. There's a lot of overlaps with his story, and not Amanda so much, but another murderer in the book that you read about the the guy that, in my book, about the triple, the guy, that, the meth killer, the meth addict. Yes, 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 okay. yes, yes. Anyway, um, a book I hate is The Confederacy of Dunces. <gasps> Me uh, too, that's my oh, brother's
0: favorite book, and I put I it down. I
1: don't, okay, so this came out, I don't know, I was in college or something, and everybody was reading it, you know, it was like, oh, the and of course it was a sad story, he had, committed suicide his mother got it published i tried to read this book four or five times and i would get to page like whatever 53 i'm like i am so done so done so no oh my god i'm so happy you said that my it's my
0: brother like you have to read this book and i got it and i was like this is not good for me okay um what's the last great book you read
1: the last great and i really agonized over this because i i i read a lot of really good books Mm -hmm. The last great book I read was uh, Barbarian Days by William Finnegan. I don't know that. Tell he me. He is a writer for The New Yorker. He writes um, from various war zones and pretty, really good, long narrative features. Um, but it's about his life as a surfer from the time he was a very young boy. It's, it is a magnificent book. Uh-huh. And I had a chance to meet him last year, like shake his hand. I was like, a, I was like had a schoolgirl crush.
0: I was like, hi. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's really good. Do you like when when people fan out over you as an author?
1: I it hasn't happened that much.
0: I don't even. I'm know, fanning out over. I
1: don't though. even know what to do. I just like want to smile and hug you and talk to you. Yeah. Like I I yeah, let's see. I don't know. It's, I don't know. I
0: I've been, I was nervous before you got here. <laughs> I was like, oh good my Lord. god, I'm gonna meet Nancy Rowland no. and like because no. I loved your book so much. Well. I feel like when you write a good book, people like want. I, like, just want to, like, sit next to you and hold your hand and be like, can we be friends? Because I'm into you. (laughs) Well, so
1: this book, you know, is definitely the biggest. Like, I I have, like, four other books on Amazon. And, Mm -hmm. like, they have a total of, like, 30 comments. And maybe they've had 200 (laughs) readers, like, combined. Right. So this is obviously the first time that things are kind of fulminating and so I hope to meet more people it's been amazing so far the people I've gotten to meet because of this book it's just
0: a beautiful thing and well so if you if you read the book and you meet Nancy fan out over her so she can tell you if she likes it or not (laughs) yeah so then I'll know I'm a big fan of telling people when you like something that they've created ever since I started making this podcast oh I am too because I'm like Like, I went to a restaurant the other night, and I was like, the pastry chef brought us our entree. Or no, the chef brought us our pastry. And I was like, this is the greatest restaurant. Like, it's so good. I just, and like, I was like almost crying. And I was like, why am I so weird now? Uh,
1: I, so, I don't really know that I do this deliberately, but apparently, every time I see or meet someone, I'm like, oh my God, I love your hair. Look at your blouse. Look at the pastry. And someone said to me, oh, you do that to, I don't know, to... Open the door. So I was like, "No, I do it because I think it." I like you know, the shirt. <laughs> I, I see every. I just I just see it. You just yeah. want to be around it. Totally. So I'm into it. Yeah. Um, what are you reading right now? I am reading a book. I mentioned my friend Nick Gillespie the other day. He's with Reason. Uh, dot com and Reason Magazine, and he was comparing my book. To a book of Errol Morris is called A Wilderness of Errors, where who where he's looking at the Jeffrey McDonald murder case, which took, it, took place pretty famous in Fayetteville in 1970. His wife and two young daughters were found murdered, and he was uh, accused of it. So a lot of books came out about this book. Okay. So I'm reading that now to try and figure out, I'm, I'm liking it, and I'm also internally arguing with him okay. in my head. Is this the book that inspired the
0: the Janet Malcolm? Yes. Okay, I it is, and
1: that. it was the yes. So she the, wrote the journalist, the journalist and in the murderer, murderer, which was about the um, Joe McGinnis book about
0: the okay. the, the murder. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, Have layers I, on see layers. See this stuff happens. Yeah. yeah,
1: so I'm reading that now.
0: Um, do you read more than one book at a time or just one?
1: You know. It's been a little weird with the, my book being released. I've had sort of a short attention span. Mm-hmm. But usually I am reading more than one book at a time. Like I have a book I read in the mornings when it's super quiet and mm-hmm. I'm by myself. Um, and then I'll have something else by the bed. And then I'm listening to something in the car. But I kind of would like to read one book. And then I'm also reviewing books. So sure. I kind of would like to read one book at a time. I think I'd get more done.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm a one book. I call it a one book pony. I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm going to try. Um, okay good let me know how it goes okay um what are some books that you're looking forward to reading I whatever Catherine Boo writes next um oh, so I've heard you talk about yeah her before. so
1: she is the author of um Behind the Beautiful Forevers which I was asked to review and then I was asked to interview her and you asked if I'm ever surprised or like fan yeah. or whatever I'm always surprised when big authors I meet already know my work yes i like how and how but she did and we became friends and oh. she was super great while i was writing this i mean i barely see her she lives across the country but she was super encouraging and she gets a nice thank you in the book oh. so i want to see i want to see whatever she writes next.
0: that's awesome um how do you pick what book you're going to read i think it's mostly from
1: uh just reading about books whether i'm reading mm-hmm. a book review section or i hear something um sometimes sitting with journalists mm-hmm. um we're like you know, bandying about, I don't read a ton of
0: contemporary fiction, um, but a little bit. I don't read a ton of contemporary fiction either. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you, what book reviews do you like? Like what, which ones are you, do you go to when you're looking for? Uh, stuck?
1: well, I've been reviewing for the wall street journal for okay. about six years. Okay. Um, so I read, they have a fantastic review section on Saturdays. I highly recommend it. Okay. Um, New York times, um, I don't know, everywhere. Like you could yeah. even be looking through people magazine at the right. dentist's office and they've got this little like little capsule books. It's like, I know. Oh, huh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. So yeah. Mostly reading about books. Mostly reading about books.
0: Yep. yep. Um, what's on your nightstand right now?
1: So uh, after I pulled off all the old copies of The New Yorker, okay. um, <laughs> uh, oh God. You and my husband both. Oh I mean, it's like I love it, but it's like it's here again. <laughs> oh no, I know, I haven't it's like even how well I get through it. At the last He's,
0: seven issues. His parents' house is just full of New Yorkers, like, everywhere. I'm like, this is from, like, six months ago. I know.
1: Um, <laughs> I have a book called The Reckonings by uh, Lacey Johnson. Um, it's a book of essays. I had reviewed her truly har- harrowing previous book, The Other Side, for The Wall Street Journal, and um, got an advance copy of this. And so far, it's terrific. I have something called The Landmark Julius Caesar, which I have yet to crack open, and I really don't have any idea how it wound up on my <laughs> nightstand. Um, I have Robert Moses's The Power Broker. Uh, which is, you know, it's a doorstopper. And, um, but it's it's really good. And I'm from New York City, so that's interesting. I have a, a French easy reader, Histoire à l'oeil le soir, which I said I'd read so I would learn French. And, of okay. course, you know how that's going. Yeah. It's, it's not. It sounded good. Yeah. And then I've got this book. <laughs> I, I don't ever really read like the, um, what do they call them, trade paperbacks, like the mm-hmm. kind you see at the airport and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But someone wrote about this book, a friend of mine, called The Passage by um, Justin Cronin. And like the next in the series had come out and he's like, it's just incredible. So I picked up the passage and it was yeah. really good. And so I bought the next one and it's called the 12 and I keep forgetting about it. Mm-hmm. But every time I pick it up and read like 20 pages, I'm like, man, this has got some velocity and it's scary and it's kind of like Stephen King like and apocalyptic and it's fun. Oh my God.
0: I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what's a book that you like to recommend to people? I love a book, um, fiction. A book called In the Valley of the Kings
1: by Terence Holt, which has been way, way underread. Like okay. it's got like seven comments on Amazon and I'm one of them. It's <laughs> one of the be- It's the kind of fiction I like, which is kind of spooky. Okay. I don't mean spooky like Stephen King spooky. I mean like, okay, I, I put out a book of short stories and I, there's a little similarity, I think, okay. right, between that. And then um, nonfiction earlier this year, I read Being Mortal by oh, atal, atal gawande, gawande and i was blown away and i think everybody should read it because yeah. guess what everyone's gonna die I sure are. and um it's just really useful information and really well done i love him
0: yeah like, he's yeah. really great you know so amazon and like some other oh, big companies oh, are like yeah baby starting a medical something and uh-huh. he's like in charge uh-huh. of it I- My husband is a doctor, and he works at Kaiser. And he's like, "I think I'm going to lose my job soon. I think we're all going to be out of business. Whatever Amazon and Atul Gawande are working on. He can go
1: work. Yeah, it's 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 Warren Buffett.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: maybe Bill Gates and and Jeff Bezos. And they brought in Atul Gawande to head this up. Hey man, I'll do it. Yeah, a better way to have healthcare. Sure,
0: certainly. (laughs) Hello. Uh, He has that book uh, checklist manifesto. And it's all about, like, the power of checklists, specifically in medicine, but also, like, pilots use them and this and that. And I read that. It's the first book I read of his. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm obsessed with checklists. I was already. But, like, if you can make a checklist an interesting book. Every day. Like, you're, you're, I'm obsessed with you. I'm obsessed with (laughs) you. I think you're perfect. Um, What's a good book that someone recommended to you?
1: So, my best girlfriend is Deborah Reed. She's a novelist. She's got about seven books out. And um, she has recommended two books to me both of which I loved. Okay. One was Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. Okay. That's a novel. I loved it. And then a book called City of Thieves. Oh, my God. Oh, my oh God. My by my... Da- David oh, Benioff Oh, whatever. my oh. God. Yes. Okay, let's all bow down to this book, so man. So good. And okay. you know he is Game of Thrones. I know. And he's married
0: to Amanda Pete. Hello. Like what? Okay,
1: like, hello, you perfect human. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was like, I love this book. So much. much, and I and for your readers, it is like nothing I have ever read. But if there are books like this, could you please let me know? Send us all the books please that are like Please let me this.
0: know about the books that are like City of Thieves. Oh my god, so good! I don't like uh, fiction, like basically as a rule. Like maybe I can find fiction that I enjoy, but yes. like I'm never gonna pick up a piece of fiction. And my brother, who sometimes hits and sometimes misses with his recommendations, and he's like my best friend. He was like, "Read this book." I'm like, "I don't know, Brady," and I. Oh, man. Really? Guys, read City of Thieves. So good. So good. Oh, my God. Uh, (laughs) What's the best book you've received as a gift?
1: So my daughter's boyfriend, he reads a lot of graphic novels. And he recently gave me, it's called Alias Omnibus. And it's a giant, gorgeous, illustrated book about the Marvel hero, Jessica Jones.
0: Mm. And it's
1: just, it's so beautiful, first Mm -hmm. of all. It's right on the coffee table. And it's
0: so good. It's so smart. Oh, so I love it. it. Thanks, that's Nick. It. Um, <laughs> shout out to Nick. Um, do you set reading goals for yourself?
1: I don't have any right now. Sometimes I do. Usually I don't. I, usually I fail. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to read, you know, all of Aristotle and right. then I get like, you know, 17 pages. And I'm like, okay, I'm done with that. Yeah. Um, so uh, you can, but no, you don't. You yeah, should. I can, but I don't. Yeah.
0: <laughs> are, you, are there things that you wish were different about the way that you read? or your reading lifestyle?
1: I I probably am reading or listening to a podcast or an audiobook about 4 or 5 hours a day and I'd like that to be more.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That's a lot of hours. I know, but yeah, I guess
0: listening cuts down on what it feels like.
1: Oh, for sure. I go out walking for 2 hours so Yeah, I just listen to my podcasts yeah. or Yeah,
0: there's a, you're familiar with Bookstagram, I know. Bookstagram? Like the book corner of Instagram, like all the people who post and review books. Oh my God, Nancy, we're going to get you in on Bookstagram. I'm so so That's where you can find our Instagram. But there's like this whole world of people who are readers, like, you know, people who read 150 books a year just like for pleasure. And one of these accounts is called 25 and 5. And it's it's basically a -a readathon, like a challenge. And you read for 25 hours in five days. So it breaks down five hours yeah, yep. a day and I tried to do it for the first time a few weeks ago and I got 21 hours which felt like a win for me but I didn't I didn't allow myself to do audiobooks because I okay. felt like that was yeah. kind of cheating for the readathon. It is. yeah it was hard ho- Five hours of actually sitting down to read well, is hard on your eyes. <laughs> it's also, it's our devices at this point. You yeah. know, it's like, oh, but maybe I should check my email again.
1: And who liked my Instagram post? Yeah. It's like that's, so if you can get, like in the mornings. I, I go have
0: airplane mode. Every,
1: yeah. I have everything off <laughs> and I just sit and ignore it's true. Because once you sit down world. and
0: you're into it, you're yeah. like, ugh. That's, yeah. Well, I read your book during that. That was the first book I read. I read it in like a day and a half Yay. and I was like, this is so great. Um, any genres? That you just love or just are not into.
1: Um, my favorite n- genre is what I'm hope I can write well, <laughs> which is narrative nonfiction by reporters. Okay. So there's Didion, of course, oh, but I actually love her fiction maybe even more
0: than her nonfiction. I
1: like <laughs> play play it as yeah, play it as I, lades. Lades. I like that. But
0: I love your magical thinking.
1: I like that. That's I didn't that. love it, but yeah. I liked it. Um, she's got a book of sort of a compilation of essays called After Henry, mm-hmm. which is really good, and mm-hmm. I highly recommend. I've read that like three times. Um, Robert Kolker's Lost Girls is one oh. of my favorite. I that. Is that but, yeah. the, about
0: the Long Island? Yes. Yeah.
1: And actually, Bob was super helpful in me getting my book published, so oh, wow. shout out to Bob. Shout out Bob. Um, Catherine Boo's Behind the Beautiful Forevers, mm-hmm. which you talked about, and I'm a big fan of William Lagaspiches. He's now the international correspondent for Vanity Fair, but mm-hmm. he used to be at um, the Atlantic. And one of my favorite books that I've read many times of his is called Sahara Unveiled. And okay. it's just absolutely
0: beautiful. Love that. Yeah. What about genres that you don't particularly care for? I, I don't know if I've ever read a romance novel. Okay. Unless like, I think I read the Thorn
1: Birds in high school, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if that's a romance novel. Okay. Um, I am very impatient with fussy or overworked writing you know Mm -hmm. lots of adverbs and Mm -hmm. i am i was sent an advanced copy of a novel recently for possible review Mm -hmm. and in the first paragraph there was something about the buttery light latticing up the wall i'm like okay i'm done Mm -hmm. i can't i can't i don't i I don't care i don't care about your pretty words
0: yeah i'm with you tell me a story yeah i'm with you yeah um actually i meant to ask you this about your book so there's a moment in your book where you're talking about fireworks um, yes there and and there's another moment where it's rainy and it's like a rainy day, and you're kind of describing like the temperature and whatever and I wanted to know, do you write down like the day that I met with the lawyer, it was rainy and yes. it felt like this. You did, yes. Okay. And
1: I and I had to, for instance, um, I wanted to know the water temperature, of right, the, the the river when the children. So you can actually find that stuff out, right? Like sure. there's a you know Willamette River metric guide, blah blah blah. So yes, you and I do write it down. You know, something journalists you learn to do as a journalist is like, you you're you're recording maybe, but you're also writing like, yeah, he smells like French fries, or Got it. you know, there was this woman with purple hair
0: because you don't know if you're going to need it. Yeah. And most of the time you don't, but you might. You might. So don't lose it. Okay. I yeah. was very curious about yeah. that because it was like yeah. so specific and I was like, does she just remember this day? Oh, I just make it or... a lot. you know, we just did. You, I was up. wondering yeah. if you maybe went back and like checked the weather report and then kind of like embellished or like, you no, know,
1: no embellishing. You just check and you don't, you know, the funny thing is that sometimes you're like, oh man, I wish I knew the wind speed, but I can't right. find that out. And then you're like, wait, I can just say it this way. You right. ne- you're never, you'll never not have what you need. Right. Okay, yeah, kind <laughs> of I a mean,
0: tangent, but I—it was a question that I meant to ask you earlier because when I was reading the book, I was like, "Does she remember this windy day or like <gasps> rainy day?" Um, okay, back back <laughs> to your questions. Oh, true crime. Yeah, you write it, you yep. read it. What's yep. your fave? I'm basically asking you for recommendations. This was
1: almost <laughs> I, that. It that is so hard, but I think I'm going to say a book called "The Adversary" okay. by Emmanuel Carrère, which. I've now read, I think,
0: three times. So you do reread. You're a rereader. Well,
1: uh, you know, I guess I am, Um, but I, not a lot. I mean, it has to be really good. Yeah. Like, or I reread The Career. I read it twice just for pleasure over Mm -hmm. my lifetime. And then my editor and I were talking about him, that we both loved this book. And I thought, let me reread it now while I'm writing mine. Yeah. And actually, there was a lot of overlaps with the main character in that book and one of the characters who I shall not name in my book oh so okay. just in terms of the personality
0: uh ticks got shall it. we say got it yeah um what about your favorite book of investigative journalism hands down baby Columbine oh so it's, good. it's it, it changed my world it, it changed Mine my too. World. I love that yeah. book so much and he has his new book Parklands coming out February 12th ugh. and I cannot wait Dave Cullen uh with amazing. that cover the cover the new cover I mean incredible it, it, ugh, I have chills yeah um how do you read ebook hard copy audio so a oh, little audio we know
1: yeah a little audio I do like listening to mostly podcasts but mm-hmm. I do listen to some audio books mm-hmm. always nonfiction. um mostly hard copy a lot of times because I also review books mm-hmm. and I've gotta I've gotta like make notes on it and Got just it. be able to touch it and, and get where I need to go um I have a kindle but mm-hmm. I always forget to charge it. But I have <laughs> read it. I've read on my phone. I've read okay. books on my phone. Yeah. But yeah, and weirdly for me, um, the Kindle and the phone are the ways to get through like the door stoppers, like uh-huh. the Goldfinch. Sure. I read half on my phone. Like it's a 900 page book, but yeah. I don't know. It worked. Um, I do listen to audiobooks, Not, like I said, nonfiction only. Currently, I'm listening to I'll Be Gone in the Dark, which is. Really, really, I have it
0: really good on audio. I think I'm gonna save it for October so I can okay. spook myself. Really, ah, <laughs> really, it's it's really well done. Um, Where do you read, or like, what's your ideal kind of reading
1: setup? Um, so funny, I'm staying at a friend of mine's house in the Hollywood Hills. He's mm-hmm. got a beautiful home, and every time I walk past this one couch under this window, I'm like, that's my reading spot nice. right there. I my favorite part of the day. I get up, no one else is up in the house. I sit on the couch, and I just read for an hour. Um, I read in bed. Um, I read at my desk. Anywhere. Anywhere. I go to a park and I read. Sure. But uh, my favorite is just sitting on the couch and I love reading that. Yeah, I love that.
0: Um where do you write?
1: Well, so I have a I have a really nice office at home. Mm-hmm. Um and I do the bulk of my writing there. But when I need to go and really just get out of my life mm-hmm. to get solid, solid work done, I will go, um I go to my friend's house in Manzanita, she'll be gone someplace and I'll spend two weeks there and I set up this mm-hmm. sort of like monastic existence so any place i can set up a desk and just sort of sit there and write that's beautiful um
0: what's the last book that made you laugh
1: well i hate to say i didn't get through it but um tina brown had some pretty good lines in the vanity fair chronicles i gotta say she's a sharp writer (laughs) Uh, i didn't finish it because whatever but um but it was was pretty good
0: what about a book that made you cry
1: uh so i recently reread one of my favorite novels which is um joseph o'neill's netherland and uh i wondered i was like i wonder when i get to the last page if i'm gonna cry again like i did the first
0: time and you did i cried again (laughs) it still works it still works (laughs) what about a book that made you angry
1: oh um so i recently reviewed uh the cadaver king and the country dentist by radley balco and tucker carrington and i sort of i know radley as a as a colleague that Mm -hmm. we've never met um and if you want to become completely enraged um at, at the how the criminal justice system in this country, mm-hmm. you know, through cowardice and prejudice and greed and laziness and idiocy destroys people's lives, the mm-hmm. lives of innocent people, then read this book. What's it called again? It's called The Cadaver King and the Country Dentist. Okay, great. Yeah. I will read that. Um, what about a
0: book where you feel like you've learned a lot?
1: This is also a book I recommend a lot, which is um, The Sociopath Next Door mm-hmm. by Dr. Ma- Martha Stout. It mm-hmm. was the first time, I read it quite a while ago, way before I was working on this book. Um, and it it really, in layman's terms, lays out sociopathy, which is something we're going to, The wilderness, wilderness of Errors, which I'm reading right now, he completely discounts the theory, but I'm going to disagree with him. <laughs> um, I also tend to like books that are, explain to us really practical things and one i i really liked was um s- deep survival okay. who lives who dies and why wow yeah and talking about how people make really stupid physical mistakes they become overconfident i'll mm-hmm. give you a quick story like the navy seal who was with his friends and they were kayaking and his friends are like okay dude don't go over here because there's this like double hydraulic and mm-hmm. if you flip you're not going to be able to get out and the guy's like yeah huh, hello i'm a navy seal right he drowned because his experience told him he knew but right. he didn't know right so it's a
0: lot about those things so wow. it's kind of practical I advice that, yeah. that super interesting it's fun <laughs> um What's a book that you're embarrassed about having read? I don't think I have any. No. Okay. no. That's okay. Yeah. What about a book you're embarrassed that you've never
1: read? Oh. Um, well, it's not that I've never read Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. I have read Shakespeare. I've probably read, I don't know, six or eight plays. I love seeing Shakespeare performed, but that awe and veneration that I know people <laughs> get from Shakespeare. Yeah. I have yet to experience it. I'm one of those people. So I'm sort sort of embarrassed. Have you read Othello?
0: Probably years and years ago. That's one of the ones that I reread it recently. I'm actually in the middle of a... I'm doing all 37 plays, one a month for the next three years. I'm on month three. Okay. So I'm on... Henry. Let's talk next month. Yeah. I'm on Henry 6, part two. I just finished it. The the Henrys are boring. But I reread Othello, and I was like... (gasps) Okay. Like... I mean, it just – but I like to see them. I was an actor. I love yep. seeing them. I love them. I studied classical theater. So for me, it's, like, exciting, and I can read them and imagine the the thing. And I think a lot of times if they're meant to be said out loud. So I'll even read them out loud to myself and, like, act.
1: Oh. <laughs> oh, well, I think that's right. I mean, I've read um, – I read The Odyssey, and I was rereading it last summer, and I was saying a lot of it out loud because yeah. it works. But see, okay, so The Odyssey, whatever rhythm I yeah. – it, it's called something. I don't remember right. what it's called. It completely works for me. And right. I just go like shoo, 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 shoo. Diamond. I just work. I don't know. I'm like I start to get really sleepy, or I'm like, I just I'm not getting on the train.
0: Huh. So well, maybe
1: I should take yeah. your challenge yeah. and yeah. See, see if I can, can get there. Yeah, yeah, have
0: one that you think might be re- like measure okay. for measure, so good. Okay. There's some that are like weird good. We can talk more okay. about this. I love Shakespeare. Okay. Um, what about um did I ask you a book that you're proud about having read? I think I skipped that, but I love you, that one.
1: Okay, so I don't know if, if proud is the right word, okay. but, but I can't say I'm unimpressed with having gotten through his battle with truth by Gita Sereni, which is a an 800 page study of Albert Speer. Whoa. And it was on my, it was on the bedside for so long. My husband's like, you still reading that? Babe?
0: <laughs> and you finished it and you were I like, did.
1: I did it. No, well, I really, I really enjoyed it, but it was a doorstopper, yeah. 800 pages of tiny type with Oof. lots of footnotes. And you know, you've got to understand the historical context of right. Speer. So, um, yeah, but, I really,
0: was but I really liked it. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Um, what's a favorite book from your childhood? You know, this is something – I have a daughter, and I can't believe I didn't read these to
1: her when she was little. There's a book called – a series of books called All of a Kind Family, and it's about mm-hmm. these five little sisters living in the Lower East Side, like at the turn of the last century. They're Jewish and the holidays, and they're just – they're family and what happens in the neighborhood. And I just love them. I read them and read them. I, I never hear anything about them. I've never heard of them. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm.
0: there we go. What about a favorite book assigned in school? Uh, Edie by Jean
1: Stein, about Edie Sedgwick. Oh. And I read it, and it was sort of a weird confluence of... She was part of... Edie was, like, part of Warhol's factory. and Uh So it was a weird confluence of me, like, having some sort of longing to be this sort of tragic downtown New York girl and being the person that writes about this tragic downtown. But when I read that, I think at that point, even though I was still destined to be a movie star at that point, I think something clicked in my head about
0: writing sure. so yeah oh, that's a good one yeah um what would be a book that you would assign to high school students so oh. when my daughter and her
1: friends girlfriends were 16 mm-hmm. i gave them two books okay one was mary gateskill's bad behavior which okay. is maybe my favorite book of short stories okay and uh gavin de becker's the gift of fear which is basically about how to protect yourself Interesting. and I think, you know, Mary Gates' the behavior is definitely, you know, hypersexual and okay. depressive and odd. <laughs> Depends on the school. And, yeah, and then the <laughs> gift of fear. But I think the two of those together pretty well-rounded educations. So.
0: <laughs> You're sad. Um, who would you want to write the book of your life?
1: You know, I don't actively want anybody no. to do would you that. Would you write it? I've written things. I mean, you can go, again, you can go to Amazon and you yeah. can get uh, little 20 page memoir I wrote called the Queens of Montague street, which about me being a very bad teenager. Um, no, I don't really have an interest in writing my life and I don't have an active interest in anyone else doing it. However, if somebody wanted to
0: go for it, challenges out there. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Were there any books that influenced your personal professional career? Um, yes. Or that inspired you? Yes.
1: Um, so I was reading Michael Gilmore's shot in the heart, Mm -hmm. um, right at the beginning of my career when I was writing my first big feature about, uh, John Wayne Gacy. And I did not really know how to do this at all. And I, uh, I was actually away with my mother and my daughter. My daughter was four at the time and they went off to the beach every day. It was summertime. And I, I, I locked myself in my bedroom and I read this book Mm. and I read how he crafted story. And I taught myself how to write. Wow. And I taught myself how to write the feature. Um, I think this sort of continues to happen. You read people that you just admire so much, mm-hmm. and you're like, "How can I, how can I take how they contoured their story and contour the way I'm going to tell my story?" And then, interestingly, to bring it around full circle, Michael Gilmore is and his wife are very big on Facebook, and he's written about his stage four HPV cancer Whoa. in his neck, and they read my piece oh. in and got in touch with me to that's say cool. how, and we, I just sent them a copy of the book.
0: So. Mm, that's very cool. Yeah. Did you tell him? Oh, we've, we've
1: communicated. Oh, okay. And you I, told him that he yeah, helped you become, I did.
0: become a writer. I did. That's amazing. Um, what's your favorite adaptation of a book or a film or a book to film or TV, that maybe was better than the book or just a favorite?
1: Well, I really liked, um, I really like the Patrick Melrose series, mm-hmm. and they recently did a five part TV series with it starring Benedict Cumberbatch. Is oh, that sure. his name? Yeah. Um, it was really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really good. Really well okay. done. Yeah. I like that. Yep.
0: Um, this is my favorite question. I stole it from the New York Times. If you could have, if you could require the president of the United States, the current one, to read one book, what would it be?
1: Well, I think you have to be curious about someone's experience to get anything from any book. And I, and I don't think the president has yet to evince, evince any curiosity about others at all, yeah. so far as I can see. So I think anything I offered him could only, because of how he operates, be used either as a weapon mm. against other people or, or be used to shine his own star. However, <laughs> if, I, if I, I get some pleasure, I could, if I could lock him in a room and with something i would give him all of james baldwin's works mm. and sa-
0: and have him read them all and then have them read them again <laughs> that's good yeah. you're not the first person to suggest james baldwin for him really you're not the first well person. he's
1: maybe the smartest writer i've sure. ever read and sure. and i i don't say this really because of of race issues though of course that's there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it's just that he's so unbelievably smart Mm -hmm. and his writing is just I mean can we name a better writer I'm reading
0: if Beale Street could talk right now and I'm 30 pages in and I'm like (laughs) like deep breaths yeah it's I mean he's great um okay anything else you want to add or say or anything um my favorite
1: writers oh yeah sure super
0: quick uh let's see um
1: Jam Coetzee Okay. love his novels. Um, Didion, mm. uh, Catherine Boo, Dave Cullen, Mary Gateskill. I guess we already talked we about talked them. About and them. I'm going to add James Baldwin
0: and Raymond Chandler. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, so Nancy will be back next week. We're going to discuss a book that we both really like, which is Bad Blood by John Carreyrou. 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 Um, It's about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. And get ready, y'all. It's going to be really... It's a really, really good book and it's true crime meets business crime meets like just female Ugh. anti-hero. It's juicy. So make sure you read it. It's a quick read. I dare you to take longer than a week. It's almost impossible. It's so good.
1: Uh, <laughs> I, two, two sittings.
0: Two yeah, sittings. Uh, yeah. I, was, I think mine was three. I, yeah. I'm just obsessed. I've forced it on everyone in my family. It's no big deal. Um, <laughs> so Bad Blood next week, Nancy will be back. Thank you for being here today. Tracy, what a pleasure. Thank you so much. And we will see you all in the stacks. That's all for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you to our guest, Nancy Rommelman. I'd also like to thank Little A for providing a free copy of Nancy's book, To the Bridge. Nancy will be back next week for the Stacks Book Club to discuss Bad Blood by John Kerry Rue. Remember, you can join the Stacks Pack and be a part of creating this podcast and earn awesome perks by going to patreon.com slash the Stacks and contributing as little as a dollar a month. Make sure you're subscribed to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCright. Our theme music is from Tagirajus, and this show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas.